Welcome to another Jersey Flight interview. I'm Harrison Brown, and today I'm joined by Jersey Flight quarterback Danny Southwick. Danny's a veteran of arena football who began his career in 2008. After spending some time with the Oakland Raiders, he went on to spend nine years in the Arena Football League. During that time, he's had a few brief stints in the NAL, but now Danny is here with the Jersey Flight, getting ready for the home opener on April 11th and the rest of the 2020 season. Danny, how's everything going? We're all looking forward to the season. Uh, I appreciate you calling in. Thanks for having me, Harrison. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pumped for the season and uh, really excited about this new chapter for the NAL. Definitely. It's going to be a very fun season. All seven teams look very strong, but we're looking at the flight. What was intriguing to you about this opportunity to continue your career with the flight? Well, I, uh, I work it out with my wife that I'm, I'm playing till 40 years old. Okay. And I'm 30, 38. Now that's, that's not the, that's not the upper limit of how long I'm going to play, but that's the lower limit. So I'm at least playing three more years. I'm 38 now. And, uh, and my goal this year was, you know, to, to you know, the AFL was looking like they were going to expand, and, and uh, I thought I was going to end up, you know, playing for a team. And um, the AFL, you know, uh, unfortunately went bankrupt. And the NAL, um, as always, you know, especially last year was, you know, becoming increasingly competitive. A lot of really good teams, and now, you know, there, there's in terms of just passing arena league football, which you know, IFL is kind of a different type of game for different quarterbacks in terms of you know the, the traditional arena football I mean NAL is really, really the, the top there is and so the Jersey flight are really close to where I live in Philadelphia and um, Coach Foster had been reaching out to me and, and we've been speaking and and you know it was basically you know I knew that uh, that this was kind of the, the, the right destination for me based on what, what works for my family and then I got to know um, more about Coach Foster through you know, kind of doing a little bit of research on him, and then he has a lot of uh, people that have, you know, speak highly of him, people like, you know, Clint Dozell, and who I know and, you know, think the world of. And then also, um, he, you know, so after I signed, he, he signed Anthony Payton um, to be the to be the offensive coordinator. And Anthony Payton was, was the first coach that ever knew about me in Arena. He, he was my uh, Arena 2 coach in 2008 in, at the Louisville Fire with the offensive coordinator. So there were just a lot of things that made um, the Jersey flight a really compelling um, opportunity, and, and, uh, and so that's why I'm here. Yeah. Well, I didn't know Coach Payton was your Arena 2 coach. I knew that you guys worked together with the Portland Steel, and I figured you guys probably crossed paths with the Massachusetts Pirates, but I did not know about Arena 2. That's very interesting. That was actually my next question. Uh, you've played for him before. How exciting is it for you to be able to reunite with him? It's really fun. The Massachusetts Pirates, I was on that team for a total of two hours. I literally drove it because, because, and then, um, and you talked about just, I'll briefly mention you. That's I had a stint with the Jacksonville Sharks, both stint for coaches that are friends, Anthony Payton being one, and then Cy Burley being another, where they had like a quarterback go down, and I kind of just like filled in, uh, you know, for like, like didn't even practice. But, um, but I had a lot of experience with Coach Payton in Louisville in 2008, and then again in 2000. And was it six, 15? 16, yeah. I can't remember what. 16, or not, not the Thunder, the Steel. The Steel. Um, uh, I said I changed their name. But yeah, I had, um, you know, he's a really smart guy. He loves arena football. It's been cool to see how his um, knowledge of the game has evolved since we first started. And of course, the game's evolved. Um, he played in the Arena League really. I think the biggest 
changed in arena football in the last, you know, whatever, two decades has been the, the jack moving out of the box. And, and in 2008, when I first started, teams were just kind of getting used to that, getting used to different types of combo defenses that you really can't, a lot of the defenses they play in the arena that you couldn't play when the jack had to stay in the box. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got to see his, his old philosophy back then. And, and it, you know, like I said, he, he taught me the game, taught me what's called the pig offense, which I'd say, you know, at any given time in the arena league, when the arena league was what it was, you know, probably, you know, 30% of the teams ran some version of that or more. And so he, he taught me that and, and, uh, taught me the, taught me the, you know, basic footwork, all of those things, taught me how to, you know, throw fadeaway, uh, corner of the end zone throws that are like normal for arena league. It seems seem very natural now, but, uh, you know, when you're coming from outdoor, they're not natural. <laughs> it's like everything you're not supposed to do fade away and then throw a jump ball. Yep. But, um, but then, in, and then in 2015, he got there late and, um, it's actually, I think, an unfortunate thing for our team because we had another offensive coordinator who I don't, the new Coach James, and then something happened with him. I can't remember what the situation was, but Coach James, a new unrespected Coach Bateman, called him in, and we kind of cobbled together, you know, things together between Coach James doing what he did and some of the things that I had um, done with Coach Sock and then with Anthony Payton and did our best to kind of, you know, put something competitive on the field in in 2016, and uh, Chris Green is always professional. That was a really difficult um, situation because you, know, you have all new players, and <laughs> we were really competitive some games, some games not, but uh, but Coach Payton always had a great attitude. The players always really respect him, always wanted to work with the guys, and um, I, I think it's a, a huge plus for the Jersey flight that we were able to to steal him. I mean, it's, it's maybe one of the biggest steals in the offseason for us, so I'm excited about working with Coach Payton again. Definitely agree. He's a great offensive mind. Uh, you know, when people ask you about arena football, whether it be your friends or family or just someone you meet on the street and you tell them you're an arena football quarterback, wh- how do you describe it to them? How do you describe what the sport is like? That's a good question. So um, if I'm joking around and being humble, I say it's like the monster truck rally version of, of football because, you know, <laughs> You know, people kind of treat it as a as a circus. But but if if you get me talking seriously about it, I will. You know, my honest opinion, and probably a lot of people have been agreeing. My honest opinion is that arena football is very competitive. I mean, it's it's. I think it's closer to the NFL than people think it is. So I think a lot of people say arena football is minor league, or it's and it's true. It is minor league, and it's not the NFL. And I'm I'm not certainly not making that case. But but if you. If you've been around the arena league, I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to to get beat out by arena league guys that, uh, you know, didn't really play it at, uh, you know, college or maybe were back in college. I've also had the opportunity as an arena league quarterback to beat out guys that were drafted in the NFL, you know, multiple mm-hmm. guys were drafted in the NFL. And so it's what my, my take on arena football is there are, there are fewer opportunities for good players than, I mean, there, are, there are fewer opportunities than, them are good players. So there's a lot of good players out there, whether it's the CFL, now the XFL, now the NAL, IFL, and obviously the NFL. Then there are people that can play fast players, players that have you know good hand-eye coordination, good knowledge of the game, dedicated to all of those things. And, and people don't understand the level of professionalism. So one of the things I like to tell people, if, if I have their ear, if they're listening to me as long as you're listening to me now, is that um, you know Kurt Warner wrote in his book that he had a great book called All Things Possible. It's really cool. And he kind of details his journey from the AFL to the NFL. 
He basically says there are guys in the NFL that could not make it in the AFL. And there are guys in the AFL that are given the opportunity but really thrive in the NFL like he did. So I think that arena football is extremely competitive. It's a really cool game that in some ways prepares you for it. I mean, if you're looking at it as a developmental path, it prepares you for outdoor football in ways that I think you know, the college game doesn't now. It's a lot of the RPOs. I guess the NFL is doing some of that now too. But, but, uh, but in terms of just learning of the, you know, passing football, it's, it is a, it is a, uh, a world-class sport. And in fact, you see a lot of the innovation from the arena league, like trickling into the NFL now with coaches like Matt Nagy and others where they're, you know, things we've seen for a long time, dribble kicks or, uh, you know, for, for onside or end of half. And so throwing a Hail Mary, why don't you throw a 20 yard pass downfield and then have your wide receiver screen. And that's a, that play's been around forever in the arena football league. And now, you know, Tony Romo, uh, one or two years ago when I can't remember what arena coach pulled it out. Might have been actually, but I don't know who it was, but, but Tony Romo's like, I've never seen that before. I was like, well, and everyone that watched arena football said, well, we've seen that for 20, 20 years. This is nothing new. Uh, I don't know why it took you guys so long. So, so arena football is its own game. has a lot of great athletes and a lot of dedicated people. And the last thing I'll say about arena football is, although, you know, there are guys that, um, you know, I played with last year, the year before, whatever, that, you know, now I'm playing the NFL making, you know, 10 times as much as they, as they were in the real league per week or whatever. Um, but yet, if they get cut from the NFL, if other guys get cut from the NFL, they, they still play the game. And why do they play it? I mean, it's not a terrible living. I mean, there are people that do worse, but uh, I mean, you can you know you can pay the bills, but but it it's an, it's kind of like an Olympic sport in a sense, right? Like you see these Olympic athletes that dedicate their lives, you know, unless they're getting endorsements, like Michael Phelps. Most of those swimmers or those Olympic you know athletes, they're not um, they're not making a ton of money, but we we so respect them because they dedicate their lives to this. And I, I would love to see that story get told. I think like one of the things I really appreciate about what you do, Harrison, and like arena outlets, is telling the narrative of the game because that's what's that's what's going to sell. If people understand the story, the, the sacrifices, moving across the country, you know, putting in late nights watching film, dealing with injuries, dealing with disappointments of being cut, getting picked back up again, you know, all of you know, winning championships. There are so many cool journeys and cool people I've met in arena football, and people that truly, authentically love the game. So from a fan experience, I don't think you can ask for more than that. You get people that intrinsically love what they're doing that are like, you know, modern-day gladiators. You know, you're out there inside of a wall getting each other's heads in. And, and, and so if people gave me the seven minutes or whatever that you just gave me, that's what I would tell them. I agree with basically everything you just said. I mean, the sport is just so much fun, whether it be just watching it. I'm sure it's a blast to play. And just from a fan and media experience, it's definitely, uh, you know, just a great sport to experience, great sport to be a part of. Um, one of the things I want to go back and touch on is the developmental part of it. And and Kurt Warner mentioned it. Uh, I believe it was in an interview. The arena game is so fast that when he went back outside, it, it felt slow. And from a quarterback perspective, uh, the game moves so fast. You played for Clint Dalzell, who is just, um, he. everyone knows three-step offense is was what has been so good for the soul for so long. They get the ball out of their hands so quickly. Just when you were first starting to now, like how much of the development of getting the ball out of your hand has just happened in arena football? Everything. Everything. It's like you know, thinking back on how long I would wait for plays to develop and it's just arena football is so fast. And 
2008, like you, you mentioned, I got a, a brief stint with the Raiders, and that's, I was actually there for for two. I was on the roster for a little while. But I was with the organization for two years. It was kind of like I don't know, a camp arm or whatever. As an employee, and um, and I remember leaving the Louisville Fire. And by the way, I was a rookie with the Fire, and 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 it, I mean, people that watch arena football, you know what rookies tend to look like in mm-hmm. this league, and it's you know they, they look a step slower, right? Yeah. So I was a step slower AF2, so I was definitely a step slower. But my timing had sped up so much. I remember just throwing a hitch out, or maybe a slant out with my buddy as we were preparing to play outdoor football. And I, he took his three steps, and I I threw it, and right in front of the break, it was like, and it like he was shocked by it. The timing is just so much faster, and I think that being able to hit those timing routes is why, you know, I, I got picked up. I got opportunity to the Oakland Raiders because I threw it a pro day. In fact, no one knew me at the pro day, but they saw me throw some some timing routes to Austin Collery, and that's what that's what impressed him. So I think I think the timing that you develop in arena football is something that. You, you can't replicate that, I don't think, on an outdoor field because the pressure on every throw in arena football is that you have to anticipate. If you wait till they come out of the break, they're running into the wall, right? Or they're running out of the back of the end zone. Um, and 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 then I'll just one last comment about what you said is is talking about Clint Dozell. So Clint Dozell is another level of and I've had the opportunity to be on the soul a little bit the last two years. And it's really cool to learn from them and see how all of our football is fast, but they're really fast. And like, like Dan Rodeval, the way he gets his, uh, the ball out of his, his hand so quickly and, and the way they teach the receivers to hit the line of scrimmage with so much speed, they, you know, one reason the soul is so good is because they stretch the field vertically. I mean, you look at some, some of the teams, and I think teams are getting away from this, but especially if you look back in older arena football, and the guys kind of jog into the line and tr- tr- wiggling and stuff like that. And all that does is, is make the quarterback have to stand back in the pocket and get drilled more. Dan Rodabaugh almost finishes every game with a clean jersey because the ball's out so quick, and, and, and that goes to the entire design of that the Dolezal's put in there and what he's taught the players. And, of course, they've, they've mastered it over the years. So, um, so yes, I think uh, arena is, is much faster than outdoor, and, and I think... Um, there are different levels even within the arena game of how how, how quick you can get, and it seems like the teams that, that, that master the quick game, um, I think you're right, they, they have a, a major advantage. I would love like a clock from snap to throw with Rodeball throughout the years. Like you said, I mean, it was like almost every game he left with a clean jersey. If he took like two or three sacks, it was like, what just happened? What went wrong? Um, so yeah, that's all offense was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch, but What's one of the craziest or, or most memorable things you've witnessed, um, you know, on an arena football field? <laughs> uh, the craziest thing I've witnessed on an arena football field. Um, well, so uh, uh, so the, the most fun, crazy thing I've witnessed on an arena football field was when we beat. I was on the LA Kiss and we beat the San Jose Sabres, maybe the best arena football team ever. That maybe. was nuts. Uh, in 2015. And we were coming in, there was like a 2 and 9 record. Um, actually, Adrian McPherson was the starter. I had just gotten the team a couple weeks ago. And I didn't practice, I didn't practice the ones all week. And then, like, Adrian McPherson gets full of the CFL and now I'm starting. Found out, like, I did, like, literally had no first team reps. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and we beat them on the last play of the game. Rayshon Kaiser had a monster game, and our line blocked well. And that was that was the most that was 
experience in my life um, beating those guys and and going back home because I feel like San Jose is really where I I had a brief stint in Tampa in 2011 but under Mark Grieve in 2012 that's where I really I think developed most as a arena football player because um, there the whole year and Mark is I think like Mark is actually a, has his like master's degree from Stanford in teaching so he's a great teacher and, and he's become like a, a great mentor and friend to me but that Going back there and beating the Sabercats after all those years, that's where I kind of grew up. That was, that was such a fun experience. The most crazy singular play that I've had in the football, in 2014, I threw the ball to a guy. Oh, my gosh, what your number is. Why can't I? I feel terrible. I don't remember this person's name. Great receiver, huge feet. What team? Eric Rogers. Eric, Eric Rogers. Eric, I'm sorry, buddy. Your name uh, Yes, Eric Rogers, who was like, uh, like uh, freakishly good, an absolute baller. What's that? An absolute baller in the CFL too. He, he, yeah, he left us that year. Had he not left us, we might have. We almost beat Arizona as it was. We might have made it even a better. But he was so good, and um, I remember one time we were in the Moda Center. <clears throat> And I threw a ball, talking about talking about those fadeaway corner of the end zone goes, I threw a ball that was way too high. It was like he was gonna end up in the second row. Eric jumped onto the top of the wall with his left foot, extended, caught it with one hand. It's an ES, it's on an ESPN sports center thing somewhere. Caught it and then ended up out of bounds. The ball was like twelve feet over the over the wall, I don't know what they got, maybe 10 feet over the wall. And yeah, so he jumped, bounced off the wall, and then caught it, and then landed. That was the craziest singular play that I've seen on my, I couldn't believe he, especially on the replay, that's what I threw it, I was like, oh yeah, that was a sweet throw. <laughs> the replay, it's like, no, you missed him by about six yards high, but he's just a freak and made you look good, so anyway, that was, that was the craziest play. I, I remember both of those. NFL career. He was uh, got like paid like a million bucks. He went to the CFL as a leading receiver there, and then went to the Niners, and then got an ACL. I don't know if he's ever been back, but but he's maybe he's in the CFL now. But he's that's a guy that you know talking about we were talking about earlier that like, I think he could succeed at any level. I really do. You guys had Doug McNeil and Eric Rogers that year. Uh, it, it was a ridiculous pairing. And one of the things I love about Matthew Salk was he was a great recruiter. Uh, any team that he coached or, or was a part of always had good players uh, trickling in. That, that, that catch was crazy. I'm definitely going to find that and put that, uh, put that in the video. It, it was a spectacular catch. I think it was like number one on SportsCenter. If it wasn't number one, uh, he got sn- – I, I do remember. I remember the play vividly. It was against the. It was against the Jacksonville Sharks at home. It was a crazy play. It, it, like even being an arena football fan, like it kind of trickled around. Like people, people saw that play. That was that was a crazy play. That was one of those great arena football plays um, that definitely embodies what the sport is all about. You're going to see some crazy passing plays, uh, some crazy catches, and it's coming to Care Insurance Arena this year, April 11th, home opener. For you personally, what's the biggest motivating factor that, that's kept you on the field? You told me earlier you want to keep playing for three more years until you're 40. What keeps you coming back to arena football? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. Not, not, not just I'm trying to be a little competitive myself. And, you know, as old as I am, you know, people know my, my history. Um, you know that I play for a lot of different teams. And, and, and I guess the good news is people keep, you know, signing me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the bad news is I haven't been able to, to you know, either because of organizations folding or whatever, to, you know, haven't, haven't been able to stay with it or, 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 you know, going in another direction, you know, being totally honest or whatever, different reasons. Um, uh, you know, I haven't been able to stay with, with the same team. And, and, and so for me, I know that, I know there's a lot higher level that I, that I could reach than, than what I've already done. At least that's a, a strong belief that I have uh, within myself. And, and I want to see how good I can be. You know, so even at this age, I still, you know, off season, still work on my drops, still, you know, getting on vid swap and, and, and watching film when, when I'm able to outside my job and I'm in a PhD program, but I'm still putting in work, lifting and all things because I know that there, I still believe there's another level. I still think I can get better. And, uh, and I love it. You know, when, when it's over, when, when the time's done, you know, you know, you, you can't go back and, and, and live it anymore. So why not try to get them? If, if you like it, why not try, try to get the most out of out of your career that you can, you know? And and it doesn't matter that it's, you know, uh, not, you know, the NFL or whatever. It's like, it's, this is my NFL. And, 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 uh, and I think it's a, it's a privilege to be able to play with like such exceptional players and, and push myself to see how good I can, I can get at something. So that's, that's where my passion comes from. And, and something I love as a little kid, and it's it's a chance to go and live my dream every you know Saturday. I get it. I get a play it for my football uniform, just just like I did when you know I was I was you know a teenager, and 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 and, and now I'm 38 and still still get to do it. So I love it, and and um, yeah, it's, there's just it, it seems like a no brainer for me to continue to to, to do this because also because I'm I have a great wife and it's able to fit into. Definitely have a lot of respect for you on the field. Um, always have just been a fan of your hustle and your relentlessness for the sport. Wherever it was, you went out there and gave it your all. And like you said, uh, that LA Kiss game against San Jose pulled off a huge upset. So I've always respected you as a player. I want to talk about you off the field a little bit. Um, you're the founder of PositiveVoices.com. Like you mentioned, you're in the PhD program at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, you did the master's program of applied positive psychology program. Um, let's just talk a little off the field. How did PositiveVoices.com begin, and what was your experience at Penn like? So I'm still at Penn, right? And um, and uh, I went. So Harrison, can we pause this one second? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. So part of the reason that I'm still playing football is because um, I, I kind of learned how to get my mind right. Uh, in, in, in college, I, my mind was not right, okay? So I was recruited by some big schools, like, you know, scholarships, to, you know, places like Penn State and other, other, you know, big programs at the time. And, and, and then I, I took a scholarship offer with BYU, which is my hometown, and I went on a mission for my church, and then I uh, went to Oregon State, and... And then what you'll see is it actually looks like my arena career because I, I start, tra- of course, in the arena career, I had not win by choice, but in college, it was by choice where I started transferring. I went to Dixie Junior College and then, and then to Utah and then you know, there's other places. And, and like by the end of my college career, I was at Occidental College, this college that had like, you know, a thousand fans at its games and was way below the level that I thought I was going to play. And I kind of realized like, hey, it's not the 12 colleges you've been to, you know, it's not their fault. You know, what are you doing wrong? And I started... I started becoming more interested 
in in psychology. And at first, it was just like I was reading like personal development books, like self help type stuff. And and that changed kind of my mindset and my my resilience. Like like these words kind of inspired me. And I decided I was like, oh, I'm gonna make the NFL. <laughs> and I, you know, it wouldn't have like a zero point zero 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 one chance of ever doing that. But within a year and a half of like making that commitment, I, I actually got signed by the Oakland Raiders. And, and like there's something to this. And I really started getting interested in what the psychology of of performance was and of achievement. And I eventually started reading more and more complex books, like psychology books, and becoming really interested in um, researchers like Harold Black and Angela Duckworth and Anders Ericsson, people who are now like my mentors, especially Angela, but because I, I, I'm literally her grad student, but also, you know, Carol Dweck and some of helped me that I mentored for a long time and Anders Ericsson and other people. We don't know who these people are, but they're like at the forefront of like, you know, the, the psychology of achievement that they're, they're, they're like the people that people read. And, and uh, I, I, when I was, you know, playing arena football and it was like, you know, around 2014, I, I uh, got a, into a program at Penn called the Master of Applied Positive Psychology. And I thought that was going to be the pinnacle of anything I do academically when you have, you know, 12 schools in your transcript, you know, you don't, you don't get into schools like Penn very easily. And this was a master's program that had a little bit more of an open and uh, you know, opportunity for, for, for students like me. But, but Angela Duckworth basically, she said, you know, why, why don't you, um, you know, try to get a PhD, and, and I said, well, why not? You know, I love learning about this sort of thing, and and from there, like, I just, like, my whole life has been dedicated to try, try to understand, like, the, the psychology of, of success, and, and not, not from, like, I'm going to read a book or watch a podcast, but literally, like, what's the science behind it? And so that's what I studied. Actually, like, in my, my options of time, I study quarterbacks. I study, uh, you know, achievers in other domains and try to figure out, you know, you like, analytically using statistics and psychological assessments and things, figure out what, what drives performance. Positive voices is something that um, I, I did found. I've been loosely involved with it because as a grad student, I don't have a ton of extra time to do anything else. Um, but that's a, a company that basically works with leaders in positive psychology, which positive psychology is kind of like the, the flip side of clinical psychology. Clinical psychology is like how do you help people that um, you're struggling with different types of mental challenges or disorders. Positive psychology is less about disorder. It's more about how do you cultivate you know, the very best um, you know, psychology or whether it's happiness or whether it's, you know, confidence or whether it's, you know, good relationships or whatever. So we've worked with some of the leaders, you know, the, including, you know, Dr. Marty Seligman, who's a, the founder of Positive Psychology to create, um, programs and courses or for, for people to, you know, apply what science knows about how to live your best life. Um, again, my partner, Donna Hemmer has, has really been doing the, the, the bulk of all that because, um, I don't have any other time to do anything, but but grad school right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so, so done that. And, and then I'm in, in the, the middle of like a, a PhD program at, at the university of Pennsylvania, which basically takes all hours of my life. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's, that's what I do. That's what I do. Um, in the, the vast majority of time when I'm, when I'm not, uh, able to throw the football around on an arena football field. Well, the opportunity is coming back for you to throw the arena football on the field. April 11th, home opener against the Jacksonville Sharks. I'm here with Jersey Flight quarterback Danny Southwick. And I just want to thank you for this interview, man. It's been a lot of fun for me to talk to you. Um, been a big fan of you throughout your career and looking forward to getting to know you more in camp. Yeah, you too, Harrison. Great talking to you. See you, bud. Awesome, man. Have a good one.